Hey there, this is Varun Raja. Welcome to Dating Mechanics on Girls Chase, where we get girls chasing you. Here on Dating Mechanics, we bring you incredible content from the best minds in the industry, and we leave you with fun, actionable tips and tactics you can go out there and use with girls today. Last time we interviewed Dr. David Tion about his breakthrough inner game and confidence building program, Invincible. I've been trying Invincible myself, getting through module six out of the eight week program so far. And I must report, it is absolutely incredible, both in exposing current drawbacks in my belief systems, such as neediness towards women, and through partaking in very powerful guided meditations. In fact, since I did the one in module five about a week ago, I have been receiving a very different energy from women. And in just one week, I had two new pretty women follow me home. David had asked us to visualize our perfect woman, to imagine our perfect day with that woman, and then to find images off that woman and that day, and imagine the way it makes us feel, and focus on it one or two times a day for one month. Personally, I've been doing vision exercises for several months now, and over time witnessed a massive shift to dating and being with the women I most like. I will continue to use David's vision technique over the coming months. Be sure to check out our last podcast with David and his transformation program, Invincible. In this episode, I continue my interview on Night Game with one of the most prominent and savvy writers on Girls Chase. Alec Rolstad is a Girls Chase dating coach and master of the night, meeting and pulling women in all kinds of settings when he hits the bars and clubs on the weekends. If it's a good weekend, you can bet your top dollar that Alec is out somewhere and will spend the night with the first, second, or third girl he talks to all night. This time, we're going to dive deep into Alec's full process, including how he makes decisions, how he times and leads his prospects, how he uses touch to amplify her attraction to him, what the most ideal state for night game looks like, how Alec handles the wild cards that inevitably pop up at night, and finally, how he handles logistics and pulls girls home each time, every time. And as always, at the end of this show, we'll give you a cool homework assignment that you can go out and test at night this weekend. Alec, welcome back to Dating Mechanics. It's great to have you back yet again on a Girls Chase podcast. Thank you, man. I'm looking forward to dig deeper into this amazing subject with you. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, in our last interview, you shared an amazing, straightforward encounter with a blonde girl to whet our appetites for what it looks like when it's done right. And I know that you were really excited to share yet another story from another weekend that you recently had. Well, last weekend, but I'm sorry to disappoint you, but this time it was a brunette. I mean, you need to change things up occasionally. And wow, look at the diversity. <laughs> yeah. I love diversity in that regard. And she was a very different stereotype as well. She wasn't that like well-dressed blonde girl, but more for like a hip, maybe hipster-ish indie rock girl that I met in the more for a very quiet bar. Not quiet, but we didn't have that loud music. So Interesting. Yes, absolutely. It was a great context where you could actually deliver verbals compared to the previous nights where you actually had to go outside and freeze your walls off in order to seduce her. So yeah. Wow. So this is more like one that was based on talking to her because you were in a quiet venue rather than maybe a loud club where you had to take her outside and talk to her out there instead. Yeah, that was really cool. And here's a cool thing too. I attended like a lair meeting in my place where I live. A lair is basically a group of seducers, a local group of seducers. And I decided to attend that just to be a little bit social. Yeah. I think that's the term that was popularized in the game. 
you know, Neil Strauss's book that's ever so famous. Anyway. I think so. I'm not sure. But yeah, so I had like a bunch of like more beginner guys going out. So one of those beginner guys who did decently, he actually managed to talk to her friends. So I had like a free ride with the other girl. So sometimes swingmen can actually be useful, which was in this case. So as I first opened both girls and I opened them by walking by them, they were sitting in a corner and I just walked as I was going somewhere, you know, just like I talked about last time a little bit, you know, it's a good way to open. And as they spotted me, I did like this kind of a signal like this, like I was going to shoot them with my fingers, you know, like if I had a pistol in my hands and I smiled, you know, like bam. And they usually like reciprocate that move. And that's my pre-opener. I want to do that. That's the sign of compliance. And after that, I open with like, hello, my name is Alec. Who are you? And I really like to open with who are you? Now, as I got in, I talked to them, just socializing, joking. I don't really remember exactly, but nothing in particular. The friend was there, but eventually one of those beginner guys showed up. And I was like, okay, this is his first night out with guys like us. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bring him in. So I introduced him in and he did pretty well. So I could actually sit and talk alone with my girl and had a very good time. And it turned out she was an anthropologist. And put it this way, I eat anthropologists for breakfast because I really love them. <laughs> I bet you can talk about psychology and human behavior with them all night long. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Maybe even demonstrate a few things yourself, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's, a, this con <laughs> <laughs> there's this concept I really like called liminality, which is basically something you learn in anthropology. It's about like something called liminoid space which is basically a space in our society or in our social world where the norms do not apply, for example, you know, like a gay environment. There are certain different norms in the gay environment. They're still part of our society, but they're not really following the exact same rules as the mainstream. So this is a very good topic to enter with a girl who has a degree in anthropology. And she was definitely hooked in right away. So I talked to her that I talked to her about like slut shaming, why women judge for their sexual behavior, it's unfair, blah, 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 blah. And then I eventually transitioned to something relating to the liminoid space. Like think of if you were in a space like a bubble with people who were non-judgmental, who were open-minded, who were sexually open, who were not only accepting you for your desires, but also appreciating them. How would you feel? And then you kind of like create this bubble in her head where she can feel not only safe, but also allowed to open herself up, which can actually trigger some arousal, but also comfort. So I started digging deeper and said like, hey, what would you do in such a bubble? And, you know, it starts to, like in so, such an innocent way because we talk about anthropology, something she's familiar with. And so it got her hooked. And we talk about very actual subjects. She was a feminist and she was very into like the suppression of female sexuality. And that's like probably the only feminist subject I would dare talking to girls about because it's the only subject that can actually get you somewhere. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I did. I don't like getting too political with girls. I think it's such a bullshit topic to talk when you're out. Yeah, sometimes you don't really want to get into battles politically or however else either. You kind of want to be on her side or at least share a point of view that she can see and agree with that inevitably helps you advance, you know, getting together with her. 
I mean, I wouldn't recommend going to such subject, but I mean, I'm a trained social scientist, actually. Like in one year, I will be finished as a social scientist. So yeah, I can dig into those things and talk from a pretty neutral perspective. And at this point already, she was pretty much feeling safe. I feel like, okay, this guy's kind of like a guy who understands it. He's a safe guy. Because as I talk about like this, these people who are non-judgmental and open sexually, she kind of like, and this bubble, she kind of relates all that to me because as I speak about it, it means I know about it, which means that there's something going on between me and what I say. Now, after that, I started talking again, which I like to do, talk about bad sex, you know, in natural society. I used to say something like, we become too scientific about sex. And this is like a little cool, I wouldn't say routine, but something I like to say to girls. Um, it's about like making a distinction between what I call sienta sexualis and arts erotica from latin sexual science and erotic arts and it goes like this basically there is something in our society would get too scientific about sexuality think of something called based on what some a good french philosopher called foucault said scienta sexualis so think about this for a little bit being penetrated by a penis into your vagina reaching your cortex interior giving you an orgasm that may lead to pregnancy. Just think about that for a little bit. Just think about my words for a little bit. Now, compare what I just said to the following. Two people looking at each other in their eyes, and as they look at each other, passion grows. And the more they look at each other, the more the passion grows. Until a point where the passion explodes and desires get expressed. And as the desire gets expressed, they release themselves and they get very animalistic. And as they do that, Pure passion arises, and they just have the most passionate sex ever for ages. They just embrace each other physically. They just enjoy each other sexually, and they just enjoy each other as persons. Now, the first thing I say, that's what I call sienta sexualis. The second one is art erotica. Which one would you prefer? What, what do you think sounds best? And she will always answer the second one, of course. Now, there's three interesting things here to mention. The first one is that I kind of like get into a very like normal subject, scientific kind of thing. So it's like the guards are down, but I tell her to think about the sienta sexualis part, you know, the sexual science part, you know, think about being penetrated by a penis into your vagina for a little bit. And then she thinks about it and it stimulates her. Very clever. Yeah. And then I compare it to something even harder to amplify it. And as I express the more hotter version, erotic art, I go in a much different tone, less scientific tone, because it's not science anymore, it's art, so I speak more with passion. And as I do that, I use a lot of rich descriptions, and I go really deep into what feels good, you know? I'm, I use a few commands, maybe, and I use a few tricks that I won't get into here, but and this way, you can really stimulate her. She's like, okay, the first thing you said was hot. Now we say something even hotter, so you just amplify it. And again, you escalate the vibe, which is exactly what you want which is something I'll talk even more about in this podcast. And eventually, time passed by. I made sure to touch her, which we'll talk about a little bit. And eventually, she just started looking at me, you know, with a face, like, plastered into my face. And I was like, okay, she's ready for a makeout. Bam, let's go for it. Her friend wants to go home. So I was like, okay, well, we can follow her halfway. I mean, this was a local kind of bar, so it wasn't too complicated logistically. And eventually after that, we went outside, had smoke, and then we just went back to my place. Now, here's the interesting part. It was 1.30 when I pulled her, 1.30. And I, I came there at like 12. 
So uh, I wished I could stay longer with the, the local seducer guys, the local layer guys, but hey, she was a beautiful girl. I just had to, to embrace the moment, right? That's incredible, man. And only an hour and a half. I know so many guys who will start out early, you know, 8 p.m. And then even by 3.30 or 4 a.m., they've gotten nothing. And it's just because they're doing it all wrong. <laughs> she was the third girl I approached that night. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But again, it's important to mention that contexts like this one are easier to pull off because there are like less disturbance and less wild cards playing in. There's less stimuli. So it's more relating to how good you are rather than how lucky you get. And I think that's a very good scenario to play around with, which I plan playing more around with in the future. Excellent. You know, this is a great foray uh, into our second podcast. You know, last time we covered mindsets and mental models for night game and the importance of being aware, as well as venue calibration and how to choose where to go and the social versus sexual dynamic in your interactions at night. So now in part two, with that story, we're going to move and dive deep into Alex's process. Now, there is a big decision-making process to night game. Like we've already covered a couple of these things, like your what kinds of venues you go to, and even how you approach her, when to walk away, when to stay in the thing. Like, what is the decision-making process in night game? Decision-making really is something that you will be faced with if you if you have to deal with wild cards if they come up. So. As we go on later on, you will kind of like get an idea of how important decision making is. But quickly, I think decision making is about which girl are you willing to spend time with? Because if you're actually able to approach a few girls, you will have to decide sooner or later, who do you want to invest in? Who do you want to spend more time with? Who is more likely to be not only a good lay for the night, but who is kind of worth your time and who is kind of doable and who's not. And that's kind of like a thing that is really, really difficult in my opinion. Like a few weeks ago, I had like, there was a super hot Brazilian girl, like she was stunning. And next to it was like this milky woman. She wasn't that hot, but she had a very strong sexual vibe. She was kind of, so that made her really hot. And the MILF, she was really into me. So she was an easy deal, you know, just hook her in, get her back home and, you know, good times. Now the Brazilian girl, she was more like, a, she was really hot. And she was like, and she knew it. So she was kind of more like teasy, kind of shit testy, you know. But here's the problem was that I had to make a decision. Do I want to play it the difficult game or the easy game? And for example, what I like to say is that if you haven't fucked for a while, I think it's best to go for the easy option, just to get the ball rolling, mm. just to get your mind used to getting laid. Yeah, momentum is a real thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Now, I got laid the previous weekend, so I did not really care. So like, I went for the hot one. Now, unfortunately, I failed. Yes, we shit happens. So then you feel kind of bad because, oh, shit, I should have gone for the other one. But hey, you need to be happy with the decision you made and stick with it, you know. When I failed with the Brazilian girl, the MILF, she hooked up with some other random dude, and I was sitting there alone. I originally had two girls, but I got none of them. So that's like kind of like a decision-making gone bad, basically. But the idea is to know which girl you want to go for, which one is worth your time, which one are you willing to invest in? That's basically the decision-making part, you know. Is it worth it? Is she not? Because if you approach at least five girls, you'll have to make a call which one of the five girls do you really want to deal with, you know? Absolutely. One is maybe with five friends, one is alone, you know. It's a pretty easy decision, right? But let's consider that the girl alone, <laughs> she doesn't really look that good. So it's kind of like, hmm, you know, but again, so you need to kind of like decide 
like I take different factors in like how high market value she has versus how expensive she is. You know what I mean? Like as in how much shit you have to go through to know to get her. You know what I mean? Of course, of course. We're going to economic terms now, yeah. <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, and it's so interesting too that not only is there a decision making process about what girl to approach but also when you're talking to girls there's so many elements in the way you introduce ideas to her and the way you kind of time the pace of your interaction what exactly is this timing and how do you pace your interaction with any particular girl first of all during the first hours of the night i just like to fuck around and have fun but now consider like (laughs) we consider like we're like probably two hours in and it's time to go maybe one hour in and it's time to get down to business Here's a common mistake that most guys make, that they believe that seduction is like a linear time-based process that you kind of like have to spend 30 minutes on this phase and 30 minutes on the other phase, maybe one hour in the next phase or 10 minutes in this phase. You know, it's not like that. First of all, all women are different. Some women requires a lot of time. Other girls requires almost no time. Like literally, you can get laid in 15 minutes during midnight game. It's fucking ridiculous. I mean, and of course, it depends on who she is, what her mood is, you know, how stimulated she is, how drunk she is, even though I like to stay away from drunk girls. They're terrible. I hate drunk girls. We don't do drunk girls. Now, (laughs) so what you want to do is not calibrate like based on a model, like we mentioned earlier, but based on her being aware of what's going on and calibrate according to her. So you want to escalate the vibe from social to sexual. That's the ideal. And you want to calibrate that to how she responds. You always want to make it move forward. But you want to always want to look at her reaction. And if it's positive, push things further. If the vibe is, the vibe she's giving you is negative, you may want to take a step back. And depending on how negative the vibe is, you may have to take a step further back. You know, if it's very negative, you may want to take a big step back. If it's just a little bit of resistance, maybe just a small step back, you know. And then you kind of like proceed again. Now, if the vibe is neutral... That's actually the worst, because the worst thing is having a neutral vibe, because then you don't really know what's going on. You're kind of stuck there. You probably experience that sometime. Oh, of course. Everyone does. And that's like the loss of polarity, the loss of attraction, because it's so neutral. You're just more like platonic friends, if anything. Look, you can stay in that neutral phase and keep doing what you're doing, but you shouldn't stay there for too long, because if you wait too long, she might get start getting bored, because things are not moving forward. So you may want to consider actually just push things a little bit, just to try trigger reactions that you know where you are. That's what I do. And usually it's positive. So you're always worth escalating, you know, always escalate. So here's what I do. I escalate things forward and I always look at her reaction and base my moves accordingly. Of course, this goes right back to being aware. And notice on escalation too, that it seems that it's important to use touch strategically as well. Absolutely. Just like in in our first example from last weekend, you touched the girl, the blonde girl, virtually right after you started talking to her for real so here's the idea like when you're a stranger you obviously don't want to jump her right unless she's super horny and she approaches you and starts touching you or something like that you know those are exceptions but usually you want to start off very lightly and escalate the vibe as mentioned earlier now here's the interesting part is that during the early phase of the interaction your first goal should not be to make her horny but should rather be to just get her used to your touch, just get the ball rolling, just kind of like set the frame of the physical interaction. You want the interaction to feel that it's also verbal or maybe not, but at least physical. And the way you do that is by doing what I call a social touch, which basically just sets the ground, 
a baseline that you can work on further as the interaction proceeds. Now, what I refer to as a social touch can be anything as a handshake or just touching your shoulder when you're making a statement or maybe uh, just a hug or something very innocent, something that you could do to your friends, basically. Something that's not too sexual, something that's not intruding, just very socially accepted moves. Now, when you do that, the idea is that she's used to it, so that later on, when you are actually maybe isolated or maybe she's starting, you know, showing some signs of attraction, you know, some signs, you kind of push things forward, you know, again, escalating the vibe. Now, obviously, if your friends are around, you may not want to touch her too intensively because two things can happen. One, she resists because she doesn't want to come across as a slut in front of her friends, or her friends might come in because they want to protect her from being perceived as a slut. Oh, of course. That happened to me once before when I was starting out, I remember. I think I touched a girl's hair right upon meeting her and her friend stepped in like, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. It just doesn't look bad for the whole thing. So maybe tread carefully, but still be sure to touch her. Be sure to touch her. It's so powerful. And just the social touch is totally fine in front of her friends. Now what you want to do, you can maybe escalate it a little bit, but try to be low-key. However... Once you isolate, that's when you start getting like really escalating things. And that's when you really start pushing things forward. So what you want to do is that once you're isolated, that's when you really kick it in. That's when you really get dirty. That's when you really step it up. And that's where you start getting really sexual. Like you may touch uh, more intimate parts of her body and stuff like that. Again, calibrating to her reaction. That's key. That's so key. So that's kind of like how I touch strategically, you know, like depending on who's around, if I'm isolated or if I'm back in my place, obviously I will escalate all the way up to sex, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. But I imagine also a big element is in timing is frame control. How do you use frame control within the interaction with a girl? You obviously don't want her running away or her controlling the interaction because any woman wants the man to lead the interaction and wants him to be in charge. But technically, frame control is not different to escalation because what you want to do is that you want to set the frame, the desired frame. My The frame I like to play around with is, of course, a sexual frame where she perceives me as a lover or a sexual guy. Now, some guys, they like to play the social games. So they might want to introduce a more of a high-value kind of frame. That's cool. But the idea is that you need to set that frame as early as possible. Once it's set, that you amplify it. That you keep amplifying it because that can actually escalate the vibe. Again, it all comes back to escalating the vibe, basically. If there's one lesson to learn from Night Gaming, that always escalate the vibe. Now, what I do with thing with frames, however, is that women can get very testy about frames. So it's very key that you keep your frame, again, keeping your cool, and that you know how to respond to potential tests. Now, if you don't know how to respond to a test, the best way to kind of handle them is just to avoid them. Just like, don't respond. Just look at her deep in the eyes and don't say shit. That always works. Like, <laughs> hey, you want to buy me a drink? And then just look at her and then don't say anything. Poker face. And then be like, you're silly. And then she will, she will hit your shoulder or something. And then you just keep talking about something else. <laughs> exactly, right. Nice. I like that. Yeah. So basically, that's a good way. Or actually, with one guy back in the days on the MSF, he usually had like a universal answer for shit tests. And that was, oh my God, that's such a turn off. Like if the girl tell him, hey, can you um, buy me a drink? Or I know, can you wait for me here for a little bit? He'll just say, oh my God, that's such a turn off. But anyway, I've tried it. It works. So 
If you need a universal response to a test, here you go. Here's one for you. Interesting. By the way, credits go to old poster called Chopin, which was Chopin, Chopin, whatever his name is. Oh, good to know, yeah. <laughs> you know, this whole night game thing seems to be so difficult. I mean, why would anyone bother, right? Like, you make it quite complex, and some guys just go and have fun, and a girl starts talking to them, and they pull her home 10 minutes later, like we talked about before. Yeah, why would anyone bother? Yeah, well, first of all, I need to mention that this is my hobby, so I like to, of course, make it tight. Now, that being said, I totally respect guys who don't <laughs> want to push it. I mean, they don't want to push it to the extreme, you know, they just want to go out, have fun with their friends, and do a few tricks. That's totally cool. I respect that fully. Now, that being said... I really like to overcomplicate things maybe a little bit because I really like to get the girl really attracted to me so I can have not only the girl I desire, but also the sex I desire. That's why I really focus also on the sexual kind of frame where I can kind of like, I like to liberate the girls sexually so that they can really release themselves and then make them really horny. So that's why I might do things that might seem a little bit overkill. And secondly, I really like to kind of maybe overcomplicate things because I really like to have leverage in case there's some bullshit taking place. Wild cards, which we'll get to in a minute, probably. Oh yeah, we're just about to get to that really shortly. Yeah, so I like to have some leverage, but... Anyway, why would anyone bother with night game? Because it seems so difficult. Well, let me tell you this. Night game might be a little bit difficult, but there are two things one should keep in mind. First of all, it's an amazing arena to practice seduction because you can jump from girl to girl and really experiment and really test the waters, you know, on different girls in a short amount of time. Like night game basically juggle between five girls, which is what I like. Now, another thing is that you can use to quickly move on to a girl, next girl, if things doesn't really work, which is really awesome. But to be honest, the best reason to do night game is because it's really exciting. Because night game is the only place where you can actually very quickly get really sexual with women. And let's be honest, that's where the fun lies, in my opinion. Oh, of course. And it's really exciting because every night are so different, and as we mentioned earlier, and you just jump into it. Like when I go out and I walk to the club, just walk slowly and just enjoy the vibe of the night and knowing that, yeah, you know what, tonight anything can happen. Anything can happen. It's just like that song, Anything Can Happen. Anything, yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's what makes it exciting too because any night is ever the same. And any girl you meet at night or any situation at night will ever be the same. There's always so many different things going on and... Typically, people are also in a very jovial, fun environment. Everyone's looking out to have a good time. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. Every night out, I consider it more of like an adventure in a way. And also, beside the whole sexual thing, let's be honest, you'll see a lot of fucked up, hilarious shit. I mean, when you're out, sometimes you'll see like some guys dressing up or some stupid dude like fighting with the bouncer, but he's just so retarded that you kind of like have a laugh, you know, stuff like that. Um it's kind of like funny, you know, it's exciting, it's fun, it's a lot of fun. Now, here's something people think about night game is that it takes so much time. I have like a full schedule of work in the week. But here's the thing, night game is probably also the most efficient way of getting late because you go out a few hours, you get down to business, and you usually get the girl after three hours or something like four hours, which is far less than the usual time you spend on tinder or and then hook up with her on a date and all that stuff it's very quick so it's a very time efficient thing now the only downside that's true also yeah it is and you also get instant feedback from all these women you know instantly whether she likes you or not you know instantly if you did something wrong or not because if you did something wrong she'll just walk away or like leave in disgust you know 
And also, it's another thing with Night Game that I think is very interesting is that it's very like fast paced and you kind of like, it's really an arena where you can really show your seduction skills, you know, and really sharpen them because you have competitions, you need to really stand out. Just approaching and talking is not enough. And that kind of really, really gets you good. And believe me, most good seducer I know of usually are pretty good at night game. Now, of course, there are some exceptions, and those are usually like the, the true day gamers. But I mean, again, they're amazing at day game. I have nothing to say, but usually they're good seducers tend to be good night gamers in general. Yeah, and it's such a cutthroat environment. It's really somewhere where you can grow very quickly if you put the right amount of time in and really go in with the right attitude. And speaking of attitude, actually, I know you'd mentioned awareness and mental state is such an important aspect of going out and quite possibly one of the most important things is to just go out and be having fun what are some key aspects of the mental state that you should have when you're going out at night like my beliefs yeah like what are three aspects of the mental state when you want to go out at night when i go out at night i like as i mentioned the four pillars you know relaxed higher kind of like social vibe at the same time and also like sexual vibe but beside that i also have a few mindsets i really like to have in mind which is for example the idea as i mentioned any night are different so it's like this is an adventure but also that i'm out there to look for the perfect women between a lot of women because there's so many women there so you can actually look for the perfect girl of the night and i i love the idea of being curious about where it might lead to that's like basically my mindsets so you're kind of like in a curious mode. You're probably slightly sexual. And I imagine that you're also, like you mentioned before, you're in a social mood, but not like totally overly excited. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. The thing with many guys, they kind of like refer to this like what I call the party vibe, you know, like, woohoo, woohoo, what's up, motherfucker, you know, that, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we see that all the time. The guys that are kind of like clowns when they go out almost, and you just want to entertain everyone that they meet and share everything, you know? Yeah, and the thing with that vibe, is, what's interesting here is that Many guys do it because it really works when it comes down to opening. It really hooks girls in, so they really like it. But the problem is that, yeah, it gets their attention. Yeah, it's very easy to get into an interaction with a girl, but it's not sexual. It's not seductive at all. It's not seductive. And eventually, you want to get seductive sooner or later anyway. So, And it's very hard to go from that super jumping, dancing monkey vibe into getting very sexual. It's kind of like kind of creates a kind of cognitive dissonance, you know what I mean? That actually does happen a lot that I've seen when the entertainer guy actually tries to get sexual. The girl's kind of creeped out by it because it's totally unexpected. It's totally not part of the persona that he presented to her. Put it this way, let's talk about frames, right? I mean, the frame that is set, it's hard to break a frame once it's set. So that's why, again, you want to set the right frame from the beginning. And if you come in as the entertainer, you kind of set the frame as you are entertaining them. Where you set like a high social value frame, then you come across as this social value guy. If you set a sexual one, then you're this sexual guy. So again, the frame is kind of like the baseline that will dictate the whole interaction. Now, the problem is that if you come across as an entertainer and the more you do it, the more the frame gets reinforced and the more the frame gets reinforced, the harder it is to break it. And that's why I believe that in general, it's not a good idea to open on a too high state. Now, what I like to do is to calibrate my overall vibe to the girl's vibe or to the group's vibe. As I open, I kind of like go in there with the same vibe as they have. So if they're like a calm, talking, kind of civilized group, I like to have that tone. And if they're more like high energy, I may open with a little bit higher energy, but I never go over the top, right? Mm. Now, 
And once I'm in, always tone things down the more I talk to them. So I might start off talking normally like this, and then eventually, eventually as time goes, and I start talking to them more and more, I eventually start getting more sexual in the way I speak. And you know what's interesting, Lena, is that people here, they're just looking around. They just really want people to look at them. But we both know that the true desire is deeper. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, anyway, you know, and you get the ball rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, do you notice how, like, when I talk that way and I suddenly just change the vibe back to, like, a very high mood, how it kind of, like, kind of came as a shock? Absolutely. That's the effect of fractionation. Yeah. And you're putting on a whole different state and it probably excites her a bit, like, wow, that just happened. I just felt a whole different emotion inside me. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's really interesting. You know what's really interesting as well? What's that? It's when you get back to it a few seconds later. Mm. And you kind of wonder what just happened. Anyway, back here. <laughs> <laughs> You're having too much fun with this right now. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. It's not. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, just to summarize that, the mental state that we should have, of course, is to always be aware and always have a social mood without being overly excited. To be always confident and cool, we always talked about the cool guy factor that you should always have, and to also have a slightly sexual nature to you. And this is probably the best mental mindset to go into the night and to keep as you're going you know, about your night. Now, I know this is your favorite section, how you've dealt with so many different scenarios which you called wild cards, which inevitably happens when we go out at night. How does one manage all these things? I must be honest first, the term wildcard is actually a term coined by Halvor. He started calling them wildcards, and he gets especially annoyed by them. Oh, <laughs> Halvor man. is a guy writing for Girls' Shades, by the way. He's a guy who's been writing for Girls' Shades, a few articles, and he really likes to call them wildcards. And when there are no wildcards, he calls the night business as usual. Anyway, back to the economic terms. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so the wildcard is basically random stuff that can just happen anytime, anywhere, when you're out yeah that can either reinforce your interaction as in help you out or really fuck it up for you for example just allow me to share a few examples i think examples really clarifies this for example you're interacting with this girl and then her friend just comes by you know that's a wild card or even worse her friend starts crying because she lost her wallet or because some random dude texted her something mean or whatever and she starts crying or because her friend is too drunk and she starts puking those are wild cards Things that are not predictable, that can happen anytime, anywhere, and that they occur. I remember telling you once, actually, that Night Game is actually all about dealing with shit. But anyway, that's maybe taking a little bit too far. But <laughs> It is true, actually, because there's all kinds of things that do happen, like you said. Sometimes a friend will come over and you know interrupt the conversation you had with her. Yeah. So allow me to share just a few normal wildcards. Anything can happen, basically, but usually you have one wildcard, which is very common, is that her friends are coming over. And let's just briefly discuss a few solutions to that. When the friends come by, I usually like to just let them settle in, you know? It's just like, okay, they haven't seen their friend, each other for a while, you know? So just let them have this little chat, you know? I mean, I even might say, hey, girls, Girls, do you need to have a girl talk? I can go away and come back later. No problem. I'm just going to go grab a drink or something. That is such a cool guy response, too, because you're giving them the space that they need, and you're like completely outcome independent, like, hey, it's no big deal. You guys want to talk? It's totally cool. I'll just come back in a little bit. Yeah. 
you know, and it shows social awareness. It shows also, again, as we mentioned earlier on this podcast, that kind of like being in their shoes is a good way to pace their reality and come across as like a dominant figure because the dominant figure is the one who understands their reality. Now, here's also what I also would do, of course, is befriend the group if they randomly come by. Of course, that's a good solution. So this is a good way to deal with this. Now, Another very common wildcard that you probably deal with, especially later on during the night, is a random dude just coming over. You know, like, out of the blue, he's coming over. Now, here's what usually happens. He's usually a drunk guy, and if you're an attractive guy, that's not a problem because he'll get rejected. She will blow him out right away, especially if you're interacting with her and she's into you. But sometimes, you know, the guy is not that useless, and he might stick around a little bit. So how do you actually deal with that? Now, one thing I've noticed here is that Usually, just keep your cool, just breathe in and count to 10, because sooner or later, he will blow himself out. When a guy comes over, I just stand there and just look at him and just dance or turn around and order a glass of whiskey and just don't give a shit. And usually, he disappears. There's nothing you have to do, really. That's also such a cool guy response. So you're totally outcome independent. You just don't care at all. <laughs> it didn't affect your interaction with the girl in the least, more or less. Yeah. You're not phased by it. Yeah, and you know, actually sometimes I had like super, super attractive guy, like he was so attractive, like crazy good with women, you know, like, and he came by to my girl when I was, and I asked him, you know, I already had like a really sexual conversation, you know, we were about leaving to go home to my place and it was pretty obvious we were going to fuck. And the guy was so annoying. So I was like, I just told him, hey, man, we are sexually liberated. So if you want to join us for treason, you're welcome. And the guy was totally blown away. I had like no idea what to say. So <laughs> and then he left and the girl was started cracking up. That's hilarious, yeah. Anyway, that's not a response I recommend guys pulling up, but I just had to. Maybe it takes extreme calibration in your case. It was just the right moment for you to go and do that, you know? Probably. Also, another thing I usually do is that, hey, girl, why don't you just take his number and you call him later or something, you know, something like that. That also works. But usually what I do is I just go away for a bit. Because if you've done things right she'll probably come back. Now, she might not, but I've noted that if you start like going to like battles with the guy, you know, try to win a kind of competition, then you both lose. And to be honest, you know, I'm totally fine with the guy getting laid rather than nobody getting laid. I can always go to somebody else. But again, to be honest with you, it's very rarely happens that the guy steals the girl. Like very rarely. If you've done things right, she will come back to you. However, there is an exception to this. There is an exception. Super crowded, chaotic venues, because then the girls, they're not really attached to you. They just get stimulated back and forth from everywhere. And if the guy comes over, you just want to grab her hand, just pull her away. And if that doesn't work, just move on, because shit happens. That's what crowded venues. Things works really quickly, and they also fuck up really quickly. So this is maybe a good rule of thumb to follow, too, is in more chaotic venues, we want to be more aggressive, yeah. both with distractions, but also in, just in general, perhaps. That's like the two different types of games, to be very honest with you, like two different worlds. Um, that being said, you also have something very common that can happen, a kind of a wild card that's really annoying, that can really fuck things up. It's a logistical wild card. Oh, that's probably one of the most common like wild cards in the world because sometimes you have everything right and you just don't know where to take her or where to go afterwards. It's terrible, yeah. Like, if you don't have your own place, this is one you should really worry about. I've been actually seducing women without my own place for seven years, six years, probably seven years. Yeah, seven years. Man, see, you guys are listening to a pro right now. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> I, awesome. so I always had to either like, when I was younger, I was more creative as I screened. I like to go around the venue and find spots where I could fuck, you know, more of a wild kid kind of thing. But I'm 24 now. And since I've turned 20, I usually like to 
actually 19 to be honest, when I was 19 around that era, I really liked to go home back to, to the girl's place. And the way you do that is actually not that difficult, but what's key here is that you screen for logistics. So as you interact early on in the interaction, you may want to ask her questions about her logistics, like where do you live? Are you from around here? Very simple, basic questions, basically. Do you live here? Are you from New York? Or no, I actually live in LA. Uh, okay, so are you crashing here at a friend's place? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she, she lives nearby, you know, you know, stuff like that. Just basic questions. Um, so, so that you can quickly find out whether or not she has good logistics. Because believe me, it's very hard to pull a girl without logistics. It is doable, but it's next level. And I admit it's very difficult. Yeah, it makes your life more difficult. And sometimes you can also decide that you don't have the logistics to work. It's just not going to work. And either go for a phone number or just move to a different girl and try to find a girl with better logistics, you know? Absolutely. It's kind of frustrating to just move away from a good lead, a hot girl. But believe me, in the long run, it's worth it. If you don't have your own place, focus on screening for good logistics. Interesting. You can learn the hard way and not take my advice, but you will end up <laughs> kissing a girl goodnight at the end of the night. Be super happy about it, but not get late. So, And that's super Now, I do have another question related to this, actually. Some guys recommend creating your own logistics, you know? There's always the idea of pulling a girl to a bathroom for instance or taking her to an alley nearby like how do you do this i bet this is like super high level game too this is the advanced thing and you know what just because i love this shit i'll share this okay but i just want to make it clear that if you're a beginner you can listen to this for the fun of it but this is difficult all right so what's the idea of actually pulling out in public is to reach what I call the point of no return. And the point of no return is when you get her so horny, so excited that she just has to fuck you. And believe me, at that point, logistics, they will create themselves. Believe me. I mean, there was this guy, an infamous guy called Captain Jack who came up with this term, that the girls will create her own logistics. And sometimes they might even fuck you in the back alley. They're like, they're totally fine with it. But you need to reach that phase where she's just so horny, she just really wants you right now. And that requires the two ways to get her. Now, escalate very smoothly. And here it's really key that escalation is really intense, as in you touching her vagina, she grabbing your dick, like in public, which is kind of hard to pull off. There's a whole ladder for that. I don't really want to get too much into that unless you ask me for it. And then you have another way to that is very intense, deep sex talk or very strong, like hypnotic patterns that can really excite the girl on a whole new level. That's the two ways to get there. Now, of course, now I mentioned how the thing about escalation, how you make her touch your dick. Well, put it this way. The way you do that is by making this escalation mutual by making her touch you as well. And as you escalate on her, you move further and further, closer and closer to the like the region where your dick is. But you don't put her hand there, but you put her, her hand near your hip and then you test for a reaction. And if she keeps her hand there, you may want to move it a little bit closer and just release her hand and test her reaction, then move closer and closer. And every time you move closer, you have a break to test for compliance. And as you get even closer to your dick, you test even more for compliance and until one point her hand is on your dick and if she grabs it then you can basically unbutton your pants and make her touch it wow and once she's touching your dick she's so horny that you can basically escalate all the way to her vagina but also here's an interesting thing because as a rule of thumb when you're escalating your sex even at home you always want to make her touch your dick before you touch her vagina right because women have kind of like an auto response to vagina touching 
but they don't have an auto-response to dick touching. So usually, and the touching, when she touches your dick, she gets so horny that you bypass the resistance system of you touching your vagina later on. So this is just a cool strategy. But yeah, the whole dick touching thing in public, it's very high level escalation things. I really went quickly through it. I can talk more about it another occasion, but this is like really serious, difficult stuff. <laughs> we might just have to do another podcast on yeah. that too, Alec. <laughs> and quickly about the bathroom pool, you really need to screen for logistics and need to kind of like escalate all the way to sex before you even pull her to the bathroom. Because at the bathroom, you don't have time to deal with resistance. You don't have time to... Things need... The deals need to be sealed before you pull her to the seduction location. So it's kind of like a different dynamic because you don't pull her to the seduction location and then escalate like you would normally do when you pull back to your place. But you need to kind of like in the club, make her ready for fuck before you pull her to the seduction location, which is the bathroom. So it's kind of like more high level stuff, actually. Yeah, man, that sounds intense and so exciting, too. <laughs> Let's get back to wildcards for a second. So other logistical issues that you one may encounter is like her losing the keys, for example. And to be honest, I once had this girl and we went back to her place. And then right before we went in, she lost her keys. Oh my God. And I like, it was in the middle of the winter in Scandinavia, man. It's really cold, believe me. And I had to walk all the way home because the cab would be too expensive. It was a terrible night. I got ill the next day. Oh my God. So now I asked the girl before I go home with her to her place, I always ask her, do you have your keys? And that's a good way to avoid potential wildcards, right? Yeah. And I also always check that I have my keys when I'm pulling. Like small things like that. It's so, so little, but it can actually fuck up the whole pull seduction. It is true that sometimes the unpredictable is the worst way to end the night when you get all the way to the, the end goal and you just don't have that last little bit. It's yeah. very frustrating, both for the guy and the girl. So yeah, other small logistical issues, you don't have any money for a cab, so that can be solved by actually always having spare money on your card. Or maybe her other logistical issues is that, oh, her friend is kind of like, kind of drunk and you don't know what to do with her because you could suddenly get an extra person to take care of. Usually what you do in those cases is that you just give her a glass of water and you kick her into a cab and send her home. Because that's the simplest way to deal with it, but it's also the right way to deal with it. Now... That being said, you know, logistical issues can be solved, but you just have to look at the situation. But the key thing, no matter what wildcard you're dealing with, you need to be relaxed and keep your cool, always. Of course, we talked about that metal model. Things will always happen. You always want to be confident and happy and always be having fun. And remember, shit will happen. And how you deal with it will kind of like affect your perception of you. So if you can keep your cool when dealing with shit, it kind of says a lot about you, right? In the girl's eyes. Now, that being said, there are wildcards that like anything goes really, and you can have like totally crazy wildcards that you can't deal with. Like I had this crazy, crazy, and believe me when I say this, crazy wildcard a few years back. Uh, it was a great Thursday night. And I decided to go out, you know, it was the middle of the holidays. And I went to this place, you know, not a good place, but there was this really hot Albanian girl and we eventually started dancing together and we made out eventually and things got on, I felt it. And she asked me to go back home to her place, which, man, she was gorgeous. And damn, that's cool. You know, Thursday night, already cool, you know. We wait to start the weekend. So I grabbed her hand and we started walking up the street. And suddenly a wild card kicked in. She fucking fell down on the floor. Her fucking heart stopped. She had a heart attack. Oh, my God. That is unheard of, Alec. Yeah. Holy shit. That's like, <laughs> this is like the wild card you can't deal with. Now, of course, I didn't leave her. It's, this is serious business. I Holy did my shit. best to take care of her. 
I called an ambulance, followed her to the hospital, waited her parents came. By the way, that was awkward when the parents came. You know, that awkward moment, like, hey, 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 parents, I'm the guy who was supposed to fuck your daughter's face. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, yeah, but anyway, there's not much you can do about it. Again, anything goes, anything can happen. Was she okay? She actually survived and things got pretty well. She sent me a okay, message the next day thanking me for helping her. So, you know, I didn't feel too bad about not fucking, to be honest, because, hey, she had a much worse time than I had anyway. She is. I mean, you still practically saved her life, right? In a, yeah. In your own way even if you didn't fuck her. So got to get some credit for that, man. See, like even Alec has dealt with every kind of wild card out there, man. That's so awesome. Yeah. And the more you deal with wild cards, the better you get at it. Yeah. Now the question back to decision-making, there are two things I want to bring in before we kind of close on on these wild card things. The first thing is decision-making. Sometimes you'll deal with wild cards and you have to question whether or not you want to stay with this girl. Is she worth your time? Because sometimes, you know, guys stick with the same girl forever, like two hours and they're like, based on the fact that they've invested so much, they're kind of like unwilling to move on if it's going nowhere. If there are too many wild cards and it's too difficult and you're getting nowhere, just move on. Just move on. Because for all you know, the next girl you approach, she'll be more beautiful, cooler, and have less wild cards. And for all you know, you might hook her in 15, 10 minutes. Again, if you're getting nowhere, don't be afraid to move on. Don't be afraid to move on. Yeah, this is like poker in a bit of a way because sometimes you have that sunk cost element. Like you've invested so much time in this one girl and you just want to make sure it works and you have that hope that it works. But yeah, always more important to be aware of what's actually going on and be aware of the dynamics at play. Uh, talking about the business terminology here for a bit, yeah, <laughs> sunk cost. Seducers have the sunk cost problem. They're unwilling to sell the assets. They're unwilling to move on when things are not paying off. And to be honest, that's the awesome thing about Night Game. You can always move on to the next girl. And for all you know, again, Night Game, anything can happen, right? Yeah. The next girl you approach might be ready to go in like five minutes or even less. Now, another thing about wildcards, besides moving away and the whole decision-making process of whether or not you stick to it or not, is that you may want to kind of like have a tight, kind of like a have a tight game. And some guys have criticized me of over-gaming girls, but they don't really get it. Because the thing is, I like to create leverage. I like to get the girl so attracted that whenever a wildcard occurs, I can get away with it. I have leverage and I like to create leverage. And this is the way you become consistent. That's the way you kind of like don't have all these wild cards ruining your chances of getting laid because that's usually what happens. That's why most guys have problems in night game and have a hard time becoming consistent because they're unable to deal with wild cards and they're unable to seduce a girl on a consistent level. That is very true, actually. Most guys, when they go out, you know, they might get laid from at night once or twice or three times a year, maybe five yeah. 10, something like that. But you go out almost every weekend in a year and get laid like all the time with the second or third girl you talk to typically. Yeah. It's a very different experience. I kind of call it a freebie chaser. Now, the freebie chaser, he's the guy who goes out to a club and then he just like gets laid like totally accidentally by luck. And then he goes back home and then he writes like a big post that will post online about how easy night game is because it's just all about being there <laughs> and just touching the girl. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him that he got laid. And that itself, he made it happen without fucking it up. I applaud him for that. But however, next weekend, I doubt that he will pull it off again. And that's the thing is consistency in night game is the hard part. Yeah. Night game is the easiest way to get lucky, but it's also the hardest way to become consistent because of all the wild cards and all the decision making and the whole like all the bullshit that you have to deal with. But again, in the long run, it's really exciting. 
Nice. Now, let's talk about a couple of things that I've heard a lot. There's a thought out there that some guys believe that only extroverted guys can have fun in a nighttime environment and get laid and have the right kind of vibe to do this. What do you think about that for guys that are more introverted or are more hesitant to talk to people when they go out? Well, first of all, I think they are totally wrong about this. I think that the reason they might believe this is because they kind of refer back to this ideal clever guy who is like the super extroverted, handsome dude. But believe it or not, those guys, they are entertainers. That's what they really are. They go to a club, they get laid occasionally, I'll admit that, but they're usually just entertainers. And this might sound very fucked up, but some of the best seducers, some of the best night gamers I know of are actually super introverted guys. And they're super, some like super weirdos, like actually too, but they're actually very introverted. Like they don't even talk to people. They're like, because what they really do is that they go on the dance floor and they're calm, they're mysterious. Remember, nothing is more sexy to a girl than meeting that mysterious guy on the crowded dance floor where it's dark. It's kind of part of the whole fantasy thing, right? Yeah. So what they do is that just like snipers, they just sit there calmly waiting for the perfect timing, waiting for the perfect prey. And believe me, you don't have to be extroverted to do that, right? I mean, just sit there and look and screen and just pay attention to what's going on. That's not an introverted thing. The extroverted thing to do. It's an introverted thing to do, right? And then once they see the perfect girl, they go in, bam, and they don't even open their mouth to just escalate straight ahead quickly because they've screened so well, like super tight sniping kind of game. And they don't have to talk. They don't even have to open their mouths. Some of these amazing night gamers I know of, they don't even talk to the girls. They just, just go in, snipe, and escalate. It's an old form of seduction, right? I mean, of course, that's not what I do, but it works, and it works fantastically well. Well... It seems that guys should really play to their strengths. Like if you're a more extroverted guy, then you can use a more verbal style of game when you're out at night and you want to kind of move her to places where you can talk to her and show that cool guy part of you, that extroverted nature. Whereas if you're more of an introvert, maybe focus more on sexuality and physicality and really escalating without saying much. And you present more of a mysterious aura to you, which is also a very sexy thing that girls like. Now, do you know what's interesting about those introverted guys is that some of them do dance floor seduction. Like they go on the dance floor and pick up girls and scream. Now, here's the interesting part. They don't even dance with the girls. They just stand there and just touch them. Wow. And they get away with it. That's awesome. <laughs> you don't need to dance with the girl to actually seduce her on the dance floor. Just touch them and make them horny. And if you screen well, you can, you can get really dirty really quickly. Yeah, I really love how this whole topic gets so much deeper. We've already covered so much material, and yet we can just keep going all night if we wanted to. You know I can go for ages about this. I know, I know. Those guys, those introverted guys that we know are good with women, oh, when they go out, they look like rock stars. But, you know, during the daytime, they look like super geeks. So it's like such a, <laughs> such a funny thing. How like they totally like super like usually have kind of like nerdy jobs you know they usually have like PhDs yeah. and shit like that and then during the nighttime they just totally transform themselves into rock stars and just get laid it's, it's actually super cool to watch now another important factor we talked about this a bit before but to not blow out this is obviously a really important thing like when you're out at a club and you always want to have the cool guy factor the social proof unless you're in a very crowded or chaotic venue you might be able to do this but if the venue is more intimate and people kind of see what's going on and you're running to the same people over and over again, you don't want people to see that you've been rejected by a bunch of girls, right? Okay. So first of all, this all lies down in the fear of rejection, right? That's the core of it. And But first of all, let's make this clear that 
to get good at this, you need to fail. You need to be rejected. You need to get a few slaps. And yeah, you're right. As we mentioned earlier, if you get rejected in the bar, you might destroy your social value or kind of get like this form of negative social proof. Now, that being said, you can always go to another venue. You know what I mean? So I think that just jumping into it and get used to getting blown out is maybe important. You know what I mean? So that you can't get used to it. Now, that being said, that's just very useful for super beginners. But if you're in a small venue and you're kind of like afraid of getting blown out and kind of ruin your chances and destroy your momentum, then maybe you should change your approach because again, if the venue is small, you may want to screen a little bit more so that you kind of like increase your odds at actually getting a positive response after approaching. But again, back to the way I opened, I don't get rejected. I never get rejected. And it's not because all women love me. No, that's not a reason. It's because I don't let them reject me. Because again, as we mentioned earlier on how I open, I go in from the side, I walk, kind of like act like I'm walking by, and on the way, I test the water. And believe me, if the water is cold, I don't jump into it. If I sense that she's about to reject me and give me like that whole rejection scene, you know, that whole rejection vibe, that yell or that angry look, if I sense that's coming, I just go away. I just go away. So that, that rejection never really takes place. So even though I approach and she's not into me or whatever, she doesn't want to get approached, it doesn't matter because before she can actually really react in a real negative way, in a way that kind of blows out and that everybody can see, before that happens, I'm already on my way somewhere else. <laughs> nice. So I kind of like avoid that problem in a way because I don't let it happen. And again, as we mentioned earlier, the problem most guys do is that they just run in, deliver their opener, and just stand there and wait for something crazy to happen. So they, even if they sense that she's not into <laughs> it, she they just stand there and just take all the shit and just let the bomb explode right into their face. It all know? sounds so awkward. <laughs> Such an awkward situation. And think about it. It's much more intimidating to just stand there and get all the shit. You know, it's more of a traumatic experience than if you just like get like, okay, I get like kind of a negative vibe and then just walk away then suddenly approaching is not that dangerous anymore, right? Because you don't get like the, the bad taste of it anymore. So I think that's key. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, how do uh, people work around the noise of a bar in a club? This also intimidates a lot of guys. You know, they think that you're, you're at a club and I'm seeing the girl I want to talk, but I want to talk to her and I can't actually do it. This relates to maybe being an introvert because you can always do the physical game, but imagine there are also other ways to, to work around this issue. Okay, well, first of all, about the um, noise factor. If you're inside an area with a high nose, just forget about verbals. Yeah, I know there's some guys who talked about like increase your tonality and talk louder. But guess what? If you have to scream into a girl's ear, it's just not seductive because she will not get only from it. In fact, it's anything but seductive. So the bottom line is you cannot chat up girls on a very noisy place. So if you want to go to a noisy venue, you may consider going for more nonverbal type of approach, right? Now, if you want to actually talk to girls, you have to pick a venue where you have a lounge area or a smoking area or somewhere quiet. You know, all the places are frequent. They have a smoking area, a lounge area, are not too loud. You know, they have kind of like a bar setting where you can actually still talk. Now, however, there's something interesting here is that in the club, like if there's a bar with music and it's a little bit loud, it's usually try to kind of like approach girls that are far away from the speakers or try to pull the girls away from the speakers. You know, that's a good way to avoid the sound problem. Now, here's also an interesting thing. Corners tend to be better for chatting when there's kind of like a, a music in the venue. 
Yeah. And actually, here's something really interesting. If you talk to a girl, make sure you kind of like have your face next to hers, but your face is facing a wall because the resonance from the wall will make the sound louder, of your, the sound of your voice louder. So it's kind of like have a wall between you and her ears so that you can kind of like bump to the wall and back it to her ear because then the resonance becomes louder. Wow, that's such a pro tip. Wow. This is like a detail thing. I think actually that was something Halvor told me. I mean, he's really into like those kind of like, you know, engineering brain kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but it's such a pro tip. <laughs> if you want another pro tip, a good way to get into the mood is just to go into next to a speaker into in a club and just stand next to the speaker and just feel the bass. It's a good way to get it hyped up, by the way. Okay, well, that's good to know. Like if you're ever feeling in like a low state, to just go by the speaker and just listen to the music and just feel it feel it with your whole body i like that now okay this is kind of cool like we run through everything from picking the venue to opening girls to meeting them and moving them around and attracting them we've dealt with her friends we've dealt with the wild card and then let's say we have an imaginary scenario now that you're with a girl and you're all having a great time and you're alone and she wants to go home with you and now is the time to pull how do you pull a girl home yeah, and this is a very good question. Before I answer that, I just want to tell, I mean, actually, this is something, I've talked with Chase about this, and one of the biggest reasons, guys, they don't get laid, they are trying, but they're not going for the kill. They're not trying to ask a girl home. They're not giving her the sex invitation. So basically, they are all smooth, they're all cool, they're maybe touching her a little bit, but they never go for the kill. And if they don't go for the kill, well, you know what happens if you don't try to go for the kill? You will go home alone and have an after party with your left hand and it sucks. So believe me. That's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. It's such a sad story. There's nothing wrong with failing. I mean, just go in and try. Always try. Because believe it or not, there's two things one need to take into consideration here. If you fail, you can always take a step back. Again, calibration. Take a step back. Do something else. Seduce her a little bit more. Charm her a little bit more. And try again later. Maybe her moods change. Again, in clubs, the girl's moods always change and maybe in even 10 minutes her mood can totally change as she can turn from non-compliant to compliant and then maybe say yes so just try to persist a little bit and you persist the right way by taking a step back and trying again later now here's something one should keep in mind always try to go for the kill because there's nothing worse than going home with a feeling that you met this amazing girl that you could have had this amazing sex and that you didn't even try to go for it it's such a terrible feeling so it's much better to go home with a feeling that she said no, but you at least tried. You were almost there. And maybe next week you'll get there, but at least you try. And believe me, it's so much worse to get the feeling that you haven't tried. Now, again, you always want to pull a girl when you reach a high note. And the same thing goes for when you want to isolate. Anytime you want to make that kind of like a bold move, such as getting away from friends. Or moving her somewhere else in the venue, maybe. Yeah, or in fact, getting her home back to her place or your place. And what I mean with a high note is the part when you feel that she's reaching a high peak in emotion, where she's happy or very aroused or very into you. And you feel that, wow, the vibe is really powerful. That's when you want to do the bold move. That's when you want to isolate. That's when you want to go for make out. That's when you want to pull her back home to your place. Because the thing is, if you wait, her mood might fade and her level of compliance will follow, which means that her level of compliance is at its highest when you're reaching a high note and her emotions are reaching a peak. That's when the compliance is highest and that's when you want to go for the kill. Now, if you wait, that might fade, you know, of course you might reach a new high note, but Always close when the iron is hot. That's the rule of thumb. Always make the ball. Same things go for isolation. Now, 
And if you say, don't be afraid of failing, if you say, no, you can always persist, you know, take a step back and try again later. So stop fearing resistance, you know. Yeah, so always pull on a high note. That's the rule. That's a really good rule of thumb, actually. Some guys try to do that, you know, when there's a low point or a lull in the conversation, which is not a good thing. One thing that I always look out for, if you are getting to that point where the window is closing, there'll be a kind of a silence sometimes, like a little bit of a lull in the conversation. And she might even look at you intently, like looking at you to do something. And sometimes that's a really good time to either move her to a different part of the bar be like, let's go to the bar and let's grab some water or a drink. Or perhaps even say, let's go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Which I'm sure you have your own techniques for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I usually have the, why don't we get the fuck out? That's usually something I, like, what are we doing here? Why don't we get the fuck out? That's kind of a routine that I kind of used like two weeks ago, you know, this example yeah. I gave earlier on. But I mean, this is a very efficient one. If you really have this very strong connection with the girl and things are getting really hot, Kind of like when you're reaching the point of no return. If you do that, you don't need to say anything. You just need to grab her hand and get her to fuck up. But let's say most of the time you're not there. And you actually have to say something kind of less intense in order to get the pull. Now, the way you do that is by giving her an excuse to leave, why you should leave the venue, and then an excuse for going back home to your place. So basically, let's give an example. Hey, Lisa, it's so noisy in here. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's kind of noisy. Hey, you know what? I have some wine back in my place. Why don't we continue have this amazing conversation about whatever you're talking about back home at my place? And what I also often do is that I always lower the pressure by saying something like, hey, it's not far away from here. Or I'll follow you back the next day. Or you know what? Like, we can always come back to the club later on. That's a good one. Yeah. You can always come back. You know, why not? It's not far away from here. You can always come back. And listen, any excuse goes. It doesn't matter as long as you have an excuse because the idea is not to fool her back to her place. She knows very well what you're doing. She's not stupid, but she kind of needs something to rationalize on, you know, to have an excuse for herself. That can be anything. Yeah, girls always want that plausible deniability, you know. You don't want to feel like a slut or anything like that. I've been on forums for a while and you'd be amazed with what guys have been, like, getting away with uh, in terms of extraction routines like some guys have said like hey you want to see my cat that does saltos and i mean like, you know what stuff like that like have you seen my uh, i have a snake back in my home <laughs> like totally <crazy. laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what? i have a picture of monkeys back in my place the one i use these days i have a kitchen from the 60s and i usually tell the girls about it and then i usually tell them as when it's extracting time hey you want to go back home to my place and see my kitchen and they're like, yeah, cool. So anything goes, really. Anything goes. So if you don't have any idea, well, that means you have creativity problems. Man, Alec, this is such an amazing podcast. There was such a such amazing, juicy information that you just shared. And so many things that I actually want to try out myself as I learn even more about Night Game. Now, as part of dating mechanics, we always give our listeners a homework assignment that they could go out and test with girls this week. What is something related to Night Game that our listeners can go out and try? All right. So what I really think is the best thing to do at first is to try out different venues, chaotic, crowded, more calm venues, maybe try out lounges and just see, find out, first of all, what is the most comfortable for you to go to and then try to see how the dynamic differs and how you can calibrate to each venue. And then, of course, do some approaches and see how it works out. Also, I would like you to not run away too quickly whenever you face a wild card and try to stick to the girl because in the long run what's difficult about night game is dealing with wild cards because that's what's going to leave you frustrated night after night if you don't know how to deal with them so 
try to jump into it and try to keep your cool and try to find out how you can deal with different situations. That's my best advice for now. Cool. Thank you, Alec. I'll try that myself when I go out this weekend and report back as well in our next episode. Just to remind everyone, Alec is a phone coach for Girls Chase in addition to writing articles. So if you loved what you heard tonight and there was so much great information to share, like I said, Alec's been doing this for almost 10 years now and he's guest late almost every single weekend. Be sure to leave a comment with your questions and Alec will definitely be sure to get in touch with you. And Alec, you love answering questions, right? Yeah, I love answering questions, especially when they're interesting ones. <laughs> Alec loves talking about seduction, like anything related to it. It's one of the most fun things. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Thanks. Like, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, man. It was an honor to be here again, having so much fun, really immersing really deeply into the dynamics of Night Game. And there's only one guy who can make me do that, and that's you. So thank you again. Thank you so much. I, that's such an honor. <laughs> Okay, so there you have it. Alex shared the entirety of his night game process. Almost 10 years of highly advanced experience distilled into basics that you can go out and try tonight. In part one, we covered awareness and mindsets as the most important elements of going out at night, including how to be confident, cool, and having fun socially, how to choose where to go out at night, and how to balance being social and sexual. In part two, we also discuss the technical nature of Alex's process, from how he makes decisions, to the moment he walks in the venue and meets the girl, to how he attracts the girl, paces the interaction, and seduces her in the venue, the right attitude to handle wild cards, and how he pulls cute girls home with him for another adventure into the morning. I hope you've had fun listening today, and I hope you've learned something new in this fantastic interview with Alec Rolstad, Girls Chase writer and coach. For now, this is Varun Raja on Dating Mechanics by Girls Chase, and I'll see you again next time, same time, same place.